This is the Edumatch Podcast Network, bringing you amazing educators sharing their love of learning one show at a time. The Edumatch Podcast Network is proud to support this show and many others. Find out more at edumatchpn.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of the individual podcaster. This is TLC Ninja, a podcast for teachers by teachers about classroom innovation. And welcome to episode 106 of TLC Tech Learn Coffee, a proud member of the Edumatch Podcast Network. My name is Lisa Nowakowski, and I'm currently a fifth grade teacher in South Monterey County. Excellent. And I'm Nancy Minicozzi. I'm an instructional technology coach in Beverly Hills, California. And just as a reminder, we have a 15-minute format because ain't nobody got more time than that. No, they don't. And... Um, if you are one, our coffee fact for today is really more of a list. Um, a lot of people are looking to support black owned businesses. And if you are one of those people, you can still get your coffee fix. We are going to be including in the show notes, a list of black owned coffee brands that you can purchase online. So our guest today is Carla Jefferson, and she will be talking to us about her passion for digital equity. So Carla. Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much, Lisa and Nancy, for the invitation. I am an instructional technology coordinator for a very small rural school district in South Carolina. Uh, And I'm also a member of the ISTE Digital Equity PLN. And so we're here to talk about equity. What do you mean when you say digital equity? And why is it important? I think frequently when we initially hear digital equity, we think about devices and access. Um, And so one of the things that we really try to share is that digital uh, digital equity isn't just access, like whether or not you have access to devices or internet, but it's also opportunity. So what types of opportunities do students have using digital tools um, in ways that really uh, effectively uh, demonstrate the four C's. Collaboration, communication, critical thinking, and creativity, which is my favorite creativity. And so like one of the reasons why it's important is kind of, and it's, I know we've heard over and over again, but you know, we're preparing children for um, a future that isn't, that we have no idea, you know, what will, you know, what it will look like. And so even when I think about my particular job as an instructional technology coordinator, when I became a teacher in 1997, that was unheard of. Like that job was, there was no such job. And so, you know, as time changes, how do we help to create students or build students that um, can think critically and communicate and learn in a way that, so even if it's, we're not necessarily preparing them for a specific job, but we're preparing them to be able to, um, you know, uh, be uh, productive members of the community and can um, adapt to almost any job depending on their passions. So it's it's about teaching kids to be flexible, self-directed learners, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it's not just everybody has a device and we're all going to do this worksheet online together. Right, it's, it's <laughs> what 
what we're doing with the devices. Um, so a student who has, you know, I can be in one school or one classroom where the students all have um, devices, but like you said, they're doing that digital worksheet. And I can walk across the hall, a different teacher, and the students are creating music videos based on the content and learning, you know, based on the information that um, students are supposed to understand. And so that's a different type of experience. I can walk into another classroom and students be exposed to coding and computer science and digital literacy. And so who gets the best when you look at, you know, those three different classrooms, the one that's just only doing the digital worksheet is not going to be nearly as prepared as the students who have been able to create and, and um, think critically based on their learning. I, I couldn't agree more. So how do we set apart digital equity from other types of equity? Well, I mean, in a way you, you don't, I think you have to, you know, equity means giving the person what they need at that particular time, you know, no matter what, I think the digital part sometimes becomes, um, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, like I said, if we're just thinking about access, we could say, oh, well, we're one-to-one, -one, so we are, we have digital equity. We don't have any problems with equity. And so um, sometimes it's not as uh, visual, I think, in, you know, like whether or not uh, the, the work is equitable is when we're looking at digital equity because it's not quite as, as visible. I can be one-to-one -one and still really not be in an equitable environment. Well, and it's like you were saying, when you go from class to class to class, if you see those very different types of environments, there isn't digital equity in that, in that school, even though, right? Right, so, you, right. so sometimes digital equity is harder to, to find, to see, because, you know, it, on the surface, it may look equitable unless you start digging deeper. So we have to dig deeper then. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the barriers then from preventing us from achieving digital equity? In many cases, it is just like a lack of understanding or knowledge of how powerful technology is when it's used in the, in the right way. Um, I think that, you know, frequently when we're looking at um, school districts or schools that may struggle with, you know, poverty. Um, and so in, 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 in a lot, in, in those cases, frequently, you also see deficiencies in like the basics reading and math. And so we think, oh, if we can just figure out how to, to close the gap through test prep practice, then, um, you know, that'll solve our problems. That's, you know, that's the silver bullet. Um, that we can find and so like I'm not I definitely don't want to knock programs because I think they have their place but students have to be able to like have options and think for themselves um, if not we we continue to do them you know a disservice um, and so I know in some cases too like thinking about how we spend money and whether or not people understand like again how powerful technology is and so we um, you know, frequently I've heard recently, like, um, teachers are working hard, you know, principals are working hard, schools are working hard, and I don't discount that, but sometimes the question is, are we doing the right work? 
are we effectively utilizing the money and the funds that we have in a way that can transform teaching and learning? And it's very difficult to see that, to understand that if you've never seen it and you don't know what it looks like. It really takes visionaries to be able um, to, to be able to kind of almost think for the future and kind of go in blind and look at the possibilities and, and implement that. So in some cases, it's just like a lack of knowledge or understanding from school or district leadership. Absolutely. And we have to uh, work harder, but also work smarter, right? It's right. not just a question of hard work. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of times, not only is it, a, it's not only the school and district leadership, but also I think, there is often a lack of teacher training. Yes, exactly. And professional that development, definitely. right? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's a fear too of stepping out of comfort zones. You know, I mean, like because you know we know that children are comfortable with technology, but I think sometimes we forget that although they may be comfortable using technology, they know how to use it for recreational purposes. Like we still have to teach them how to use it for instructional purposes. So even when I talk to my teachers, like we don't just give them a pencil and say, oh, well, you've been around pencils all your life. You should know how to write. Or, you know, we don't give them books and say, oh, you've, you've been, you know, you've had books around all your life. Start reading. We teach them those, those foundational skills and we have to do technology in the same way. We have to teach them strategies and skills and concepts in order to use technology effectively. Um, and then, but, but also, since they are more comfortable with picking up a device and maybe using it for social media or you know, playing games, our teachers sometimes who may not have grown up using technology, there's a barrier there of fear. We are um, so used as educators to be like the holder of all the knowledge. And I'm going to impart all of my knowledge to you you, you know, you fortunate students to have me as a teacher. And now in most <laughs> yeah. cases, a Google search will give them exactly that type of information. So then how do we transition the thinking? You know, how do we help support teachers? Like you said, through professional development um, and support so that they can understand you don't have to know all the answers. It is okay to say, I don't know, let's learn this together. So it's, you know, changing that mindset for adults sometimes who just, struggle with like not being able to answer every single question that you know students throw out right. so how do we help support that and i think there's a fear there too not only not being able to be the holder of all the knowledge but also fear that if we say i don't know that you know the teacher that says i don't know then loses control of their classroom right. and they feel like they're they're not going to be in charge anymore. So I right. think it's really, it's important to support teachers during that shift, that mindset shift. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think, and I, I talked to my superintendent um, and our um, assistant superintendent for curriculum instruction as we went out um, for COVID. And I said, you know, teachers are going to be uncomfortable right now and we have to be okay with them being uncomfortable, knowing that we will pro provide the level of support that they need in order to ease them out of that uncomfortableness if they're open to it. And I think sometimes that's the other part 
to like we don't the 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 fear of the unknown the uncomfortableness um because we don't we can't see it we can't envision it sometimes hinders us as well and so how do we how do we help to say i understand that you're uncomfortable right now i need i i need for all of us to be okay with this knowing that we're going to support you through the process Absolutely. I, I think that's maybe the silver lining of the whole COVID situation is that it helped some teachers get over that hump mm -hmm. of uncomfortableness. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a little bit about what we need. So as because um, I'm looking here, our time is growing short. So I want to ask you, um, so most of the people listening, you know, I hope we have some admin and some, you know, higher up people, but I think most of the people that are listening are educators. So right. what, as, what, can, what can we do as educators within our schools or as individuals to help um, improve the digital equity situation? I think a lot of it is, I think we can, you know, because sometimes somebody will say, you know, I'm not a principal, I'm not a superintendent, I'm not a board member, I can't make a decision about devices. But we can um, be teacher leaders and, you know, find different ways to support um, our teachers. So even when I was in the classroom, I taught middle school ELA, I'm off and on for about 14 years. But as we made this initial transition to one, you know, one to one, um, and we actually like totally even switched um, platforms. So we were primarily um, Windows district and we flipped over to Apple. So like um, our teachers uh, each have a MacBook and an iPad. Our K-8 students have iPads and our high school students have MacBooks. And so when you look at that huge shift because those tools are so different, we, you know, I had a conversation with my principal after teachers got their devices and, and I said, if you give me three hours in the morning just to cover some of the basics of MacBook. And so like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the principal, I wasn't, um, the CT or, or and I wasn't a tech coach I was just a teacher who recognized the need and then started working with my colleagues and to be you know in ways to be able to to share that so um, in some cases some you know help you know your colleagues just create opportunities for learning informal opportunities are still you know fine and then also think about how can I use technology in a way that is a balance so yes, I may need students to get on a particular like uh, program to practice their math and English skills. But what about, what are some things that I can also do using math, English, science, and social studies? What are project students can compete can create that allow them to share their understanding of those concepts and those knowledge in a in a variety of ways? So looking at a balance um, as well, like as a teacher in the classroom, me specifically. Um, my math partner wanted to do Hour of Code. I said, oh yeah, great, you should do that. She said, no, I want us to all do it together. And I said, you know, I really don't even know my multiplication tables that well, and you want me to start coding with kids. And so we, she had found the Hour of Code, and she said, it's pretty self-explanatory. And that's really how I got started with coding with my students. Like I had no knowledge in the beginning um, but we kind of learn together. And then sometimes kids would say, I'm stuck. And I would have to say, I'm stuck too, but Tyler <laughs> is not stuck. So, uh, Tyler, you know, head on over to Tyler and we're going to figure out how to do it together. So like just taking 
chances and, and looking at different opportunities to expose kids to different types of activities. Oh, that is wonderful. And that was our timer. So I, I need to ask you, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any closing thoughts or things that we, we didn't address that you would like to get out there? I think just at the end of the day, you know, because even when we have our ISTE panels, we think about, so you, if, if you're a teacher and you say, I'm only a teacher, then what change can you see maybe starting with your classroom and then maybe share that learning with your colleagues to spark a fire. So, you know, just really be, you know, intentional about the types of opportunities that we provide students um, in a way that, uh, you know, that just encompasses everything. Oh, thank you. That's that's wonderful advice. And we'd like to thank Carla for being our guest today. And thank you to our listeners for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a comment to let us know. Our comment question is, what are you doing or what are you going to do to work for equity? And please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. If you like the show, and of course you do, um, please help others find us by rating and leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And remember, we are always looking for guests to share the great things that they are doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits the bill, or if you'd like to be a guest, please visit tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.